0: Something about that Australian accent just takes us closer to Jesus, does it not? I love it when she prays. As opposed, to like when we probably were like, "Dear God," she, God has to get a translator, right? But that, ooh. anyway. Hey, um, I had this, I had this thing when I was a kid, and uh, all of us probably had this thing. Some of us probably still have this thing at some point. But I got in trouble a lot on my birthday. And, and there was a reason for it. Um, let's say I, I can specifically remember the year I had a birthday party at the skating rink. Now, by the way, if you are a true redneck, you had a birthday party at the skating rink. And so um, it was from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock. And I will forget, at 3 o'clock the party started. And I've always been that guy. If you say 3 o'clock, let's be there at 3 o'clock, whatever. And I was that way as a kid. So I went to my mother at 3 o'clock and I said, is it time to open presents? And she said, no. I said, well, when are we going to do that? And she said, well, just enjoy your friends. And I'm like, half these people really aren't my friends. I just know their parents are rich, and they give me a good gift. And so that's the reason, I don't even know that girl, but, like, can we just open presents? She said, and she was like, Perry... You're, it's your birthday, it's about being with people, I'm like, no it's not, it's about getting stuff, and we went back and forth, and my mom finally looked at me, and she said, I'll set all this stuff on fire, and she would have, and I was like, okay, so so I waited at like 3.15, and we finally opened, but that's the way I was when I was a kid, I wanted, I wanted the presents, I love getting a good present, and you do too, like a good present, and some people are like, is there a bad present? Yeah, I've been given some weird stuff, some totally weird stuff, and there's always that person that goes, "It's not the gift, it's the thought that counts." You should quit thinking. Okay, that's the problem. So, so I got good, and that that I remember um, at Christmas it was the same way. Christmas, I was the kid. I couldn't wake up for school, but 4 a.m. Christmas morning, I was up. I was ready. And I remember I I remember I walked in my mom and dad's room and. I was like, "It's time to open presents," and they were like, "God's still asleep, Harry. Go to bed." I was like, "No, we got to open presents." They were like, "It's not about the presents; it's about the people." I'm like, "Uh, uh-uh. I got an Atari under this tree, and I need to play Missile Command, so I'm trying." And they they were finally like, "Go to sleep." My mom said, like, "Go to sleep. Or I'll burn it all." I mean, she was the little power maniac, but that's fine. She's in heaven now, and that's the way I used to be as a kid. But then. But then I think I think it was just getting older. Now, now that I've gotten older, um, I still love a good present, but I would I love being around people that I love. I I enjoy I enjoy people's presence more than I enjoy their presence. This year, um, back in June, I turned 50 and I had a birthday party. And I honestly cannot tell you one single gift that I got at that party. I got some gifts, but I can't tell, but I could tell you who was there. And we spent like three hours at dinner. Now, for me to sit for three hours anywhere, is a, it's like Moses parting the Red Sea. It's a miracle. But I, I really have learned to enjoy people's presence more than their presence. And the same thing has happened in my relationship with God. There, there are people in this room, now listen, there's nothing wrong with this, but w- when we pray, when we pray, we want the presence of God, and I'm, listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't ask him for stuff, okay, I'm not going to, have you ever, have you ever felt, have you ever been shamed because of what you pray for? You shouldn't be praying for that promotion, but I want a promotion, you shouldn't be praying to you. No, no. I, I'm all for asking God. God, give me the promotion. God, give me the job. God, give me the relationship. God, give me the Jeep. I, I, I've thrown that up a time or two. God, give me the, I, I'm all about the presence. But sometimes, sometimes going after the presence of God can distract us. Sometimes just going after the presence of God can, can take us down a path that we shouldn't go down. Because how, how many of you right now, right now, would raise your hand and say, you are thankful that God did not give you everything you've ever asked for? Okay, yeah. Because who would you be married to? <laughs> so I'm not saying don't ask God for presence. I'm saying... Where the magic, I mean, like, like we're, the, not, we're the supernatural transformation. And when I said magic, somebody's going to say, you've been reading Harry Potter, and next thing you know we're burning Harry Potter books, and dear God, it's all gone to hell. So just stay with me for a second, okay? I love Harry Potter, by the way. I'm telling you, the supernatural transformation takes place not when we seek the presence of God, but when we seek the presence of God. Because here's why. If we're asking for the wrong thing, Time in his presence changes our hearts and our minds so we begin to ask him for the right things. T- time in his presence will, you, listen, it is impossible to stay the same if we're continually coming in to the presence of God. So, so what I want us to do today is talk about seeking his presence more than his presence. And we're, we're going to talk about Naaman. We've been, we've been hanging out with Naaman. What is this? Is this week five? Four people knew. This is great. Okay, so I'm just kidding. This is week five. Week five, Naaman starts out in Second Kings chapter 5. Real quick review. He has leprosy. The servant girl says, "Go to Samaria, see the prophet." But he goes to Samaria. Remember, he went to government instead of God. We talked about that. But God's patient, gives him another chance. And then, then uh, Elisha said, "Go, go wash yourself in the Jordan seven times." And we said that's some Im- immersion, and just immerse yourself in Jesus. And we had like over uh, sixty people receive Christ that weekend. That was pretty spectacular. Yeah, we can clap. That was awesome. And then. And then last week we talked about how um, Naaman didn't really understand how this whole God thing worked. And he said, can I take some dirt from a mule? And that was a lot of fun. Well, this week, this week, um, I, well, I told you all last week that Naaman offered to give Elisha a, a gift. Y'all remember that? And Elisha was like, I don't need your stuff. I don't need your stuff. But this is where it gets crazy. Watch this. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 20. But Gehazi... Paul's pause real quick. If you're looking for a baby name, <laughs> that ain't it. Your child will not be able to say his name until he's in the seventh grade. What's your name? Gehazi. <laughs> your parents must have been drinking when they named you, all right? But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, by the way, said to himself, Anytime we start having conversations out here, in here, that we're afraid to have out here, it could go real bad. How many of you have ever had a really good idea, and when you start talking about it, you're like, oh, dear God, that's horrible, right? But he keeps them to himself. He said, my master should not have let this Aramean get away. Pause. The Aramean had a name. His name was Naaman. But to see what Gehazi did, if you take a person and you turn them into a category, you can take advantage of them. In fact, y'all have heard me say this before, when we categorize, we demonize. So it'd be like saying those white people, those black people, those Trump voters, those Biden supporters, Anytime you put People in a group, we will always dehumanize them. Naaman had a name. Naaman had a name. And, and by the way, that group of people you don't like, every one of them have names too. It's amazing how it's harder to hate people that we know. That was free. I ain't even charging y'all for that. All right, so my master should not have let this man get away without accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. He has a Forrest Gump moment. You may not believe me, but I can run like the wind blows. <laughs> he takes off. If you know, you know, it's great. Everywhere I went, I was running so I just see fun stuff in the Bible, y'all. It's a great book. So Gehazi set off after Naaman. So Naaman's like in his little chariot, and he looks in his rearview mirror, and somebody's running behind him. When Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and went to meet him. Is everything all right? Naaman asked. He's like, because he's still, you know, did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? "Um, Yeah, Gehazi said, but my master has sent me to tell you that two young prophets from the hill country of Ephraim have just arrived. He would like 75 pounds of silver, wouldn't we all right now, 75 pounds of silver um, and two sets of clothing to give to them. Problem. He lied. He lied. He's seeking the presence, and sometimes when we seek God's presence, we'll lie. For example, God, if you'll give me this promotion, I'll quit blank. And, and, and we mean it in the moment. We mean it in that we are sincere in the moment, but, but then the further away we get away from it, it's easier to comprehend. I'm just saying, listen, the only reason I preach that so good is because I've done it so many times. So so he, he lied, and and we've all done that. Lied, and God, I'll never do it again, in and, and like the next day. So, by all means, take twice as much silver, Naaman insisted. He gave him two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts for Gehazi. Now you know you got some bling bling if you got servants carrying your stuff. Who is that? That's my servant. What's he do? He carries my money. Must be nice. All right? I hope, I hope I have to have one of those one day. If I could ever find out 40 million, I would, all right? But when they arrived at the citadel, watch this. Gehazi took the gifts from the servant and sent them in back. Then he went and hid the gifts inside the house. He hid. He hid the gifts. He hid the gifts. He hid the gifts. Have you ever met somebody that they're praying for something, but they won't tell you about it? Because if they were to tell you about it, they would know they shouldn't be praying for it. And when we have to start hiding stuff from the people that are closest to us, That's a problem. In fact, this is what happens in the next verse. When he went into his master, Elisha asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? This is an opportunity to tell the truth. But Gehazi, just like us, we've done this. I haven't been anywhere, he replied. But Elisha asked him, Don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? This is what you call an oh-crap moment. <laughs> he was busted. And watch where he goes. Now, at first, he seems to get a little irrational. I don't know if you've ever been caught and somebody gets irrational. You know, you're smoking cigarettes. Next thing we know, you're going to be doing drugs, and you're going to be arrested because you're sniffing cocaine. And it, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, dear God. I just passed a thing of weed to the next person, like don't lose your mind, I'm talking the language of my people here, all right, so (laughs) is this the time to receive money and clothing, now what did he receive, money and clothing, yes, but then Elisha, and I told y'all he was unstable last week just a little bit, olive groves and vineyards, did he get any olive groves or vineyards, Mm mm-mm. Sheep and cattle. you get any sheep or cattle? Mm Mm-mm. And male and female servants. Now, if you're looking at this, you're scratching your head going, Elisha, you have, that's a bit far. He got some silver and, and got some clothes, and that's it. But Elisha's telling us something here. If you're seeking something with the wrong motives and you get it, the problem is you start wanting more. And you have you have desire going haywire, and and you wind up. See, it it starts it starts with money and clothing, but then it leads to olive groves. And it it always it's kind of like I had a friend text me a few weeks ago, and I so identified with him. If you're a parent, you remember that first time you took your kids to Disney. You thought it was going to be this amazing, glorious vacation because that's the way they make it look in the commercials but you got there and it was crowded and you were sweating and you had to pay $17 for a turkey leg and it gave you gas and you couldn't you didn't have any peps at ac and you were dying and your kids cried and you almost murdered your child in the place that's supposed to be the happiest place on earth and my friend texted me he said pray for me i'm in the middle of hell i said are you stuck in traffic he said i'm at disney with my family then he said this he said, Disney is just like sin. It will make you go where you don't want to go, stay longer than you want to stay, and pay more than you want to pay. I, said, I understand, man. I get it. It makes sense. But, but that's what sin will do to us. When we try to hide something and it grows in the dark, it always grows into something ugly. So watch what happens. Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was white as snow. That's intense, isn't it? But it comes down to Gehazi was seeking the presence of God more than he wanted The presence of God. This will change us. But if we seek God's presence more than God's presence, we are stuck in a rut for the rest of our lives. Now, the reason I can teach this this morning is because this is what God has been teaching me over the past five years. Many of you know, um, back in 2016, my life fell apart, and it fell apart publicly, and it absolutely sucked at the time, and the reason I say that is because (laughs) everything's falling apart. It's just, (laughs) there's somebody that you're type A, and if I don't pick this up and put this right back here, you're going to literally be like, (sighs) Move it. It's safe right here, okay? Pick it up in a minute. 2016 my life fell apart. And um and I get to back in the first timers area, I have people come back and they're like, "Hey man, I blew my life up just like you." And I was like, "That's awesome. It's great." <laughs> but let me tell you what I don't like. Let me tell you what I don't like about that. It's when people say that and they go, now, now mine wasn't as big of a story as yours, and my and 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 people try to minimize their pain. Don't ever minimize your pain. Yeah. Ever. I mean, you you your your breakdown might not have had the attention that my breakdown had. But that doesn't mean it was less painful. I mean, don't ever if it hurt, it hurt. Period. So when my life broke down. And I went to rehab and came back to Anderson. I had no idea what I was going to do. People were like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. Um, Go to the movies. I went to to a movie every day for a week because I didn't know what to do. After that, I was like, I got to do something. So I started a company that um, consulted with, like, church leaders and, and business leaders. And I discovered that I love to travel except for business travel. I hate business travel. It was taking me backwards in my walk with Jesus. Because you think I'm impatient on the road, by the way, this week. I have gotten behind every slow driver in Anderson, South Carolina. So if you're praying for my patience, knock it off. I am tired of trying to. So, But when I travel, when it's time to get on the plane, I will throw people out of the way. These people don't know me. They don't know I'm a preacher. I don't wear anything that would identify me as a Christian at all. I'm just throwing people. And I kept going to these churches, and I had a couple friends, and I was like, if they, if they did this or if they did this, and, 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 and God was working on my heart going, you need to start a church. And I was like, there is no way I'm starting a church, God. Church people crazy. <laughs> He's like, you're a church person. So I fought God. I fought God, and I fought him, and I fought him, and I finally said, okay, okay, okay. Have you ever done that? Fine. Have it your way. That was my attitude, and I did the paperwork to do the church, and then it's so funny. In 2017, in the fall of 2017, I pulled my truck out in this parking lot, and I looked at this building right here. Now, some of y'all are going, that looks kind of familiar. We're in it, but in 2017... And it's so funny, I told less than five people because I didn't want people to, to, like, that was a lot of faith. And, and, and I had no faith. I had no anything. And I sat in that parking lot and I looked at that building and I said, Jesus, if you could, I'm asking you right now for this building. I'm asking you to give us this building and that's where we'll do the church. And he said, start online. And so we did, 2018 was online. How many of you watched the sermon in 2018 online? Yeah, it was great. We, we, um, at first, when we started recording, we had seven people show up. By the end of that year, we had 14. We were the fastest-growing church in America. We doubled in size in less than a year. That's what I told people. I'm like, we are blowing and going, man. We had doubled in size. <laughs> we, we had nothing except the camera. But we were growing, and I was like, God, I want to go here. I want to go here. And God was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. You're, you're not going here. You're going here. And I was like, well, that's not what I asked for. But how many y'all remember last week when I did the lights thing? If you go from here to here, you got to go, you got to take steps. <laughs> Do y'all know what this is now? Now that we moved out, it's a liquor store. Can't make that up, people. What's even funnier is we own it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We don't. We don't. We don't. Dear God, don't get that rumor started. (laughs) Somebody told me that. I was like, no, it's not. I drove by. I was like, oh, snap. That is hysterical. But we had to go to this building first. We had to go to this building, and let me tell you why. When we got into this building I knew how to preach. I knew how to preach. But in this building, God taught me how to pastor. And see, sometimes God can't give you what you're asking for because he's got to teach you something before you get there because if he were to give it to you and you're not ready, it wouldn't be a blessing, it'd be a curse. That's the place... that's the place where i learned to value the presence of god we didn't have one single service in that place that god didn't show up ever there there was not one single sunday that i i, did, I didn't miss a word i didn't miss the band the music like in the past, I've just sat in the back until the band got done. I came out. I didn't miss, the, I, I, don't, I still don't miss a song. Because when we get together and we're singing together, the presence of God is just in this place. And so so we're in this place and we had two services and then we had three services and then we had four services. and then, And then the COVID hit. Two weeks to stop the spread. (laughs) All right. (laughs) And it was crazy because some of you remember this because I said this. Our lease was running out on this building. Our lease was running out. And for a while, it looked like we're gonna have to go back to an online service. And I said that. And I would have people pull me aside going, Did you mean that? And I'm like, We absolutely, like we got nowhere to go. But then all of a sudden, the owner of this building gives me a call. Now, here's what's crazy. When I first started looking at this building in 2017, I had architectural plans drawn up for 30,000 square feet. This building is like 43,000 square feet. The owner of this building tells me over the phone, "Hey, man, I got a proposition for you. I need it to like as a warehouse. I'm only going to use twelve or thirteen thousand square feet. Would you be interested in leasing thirty thousand square feet?" I said, "Does a bear take a dump in the woods?" <laughs> so we went to lunch. We kind of talked about it, and 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 then and then. <laughs> Then I started going to banks. Many of you remember the story. I started going to banks. Hey, we're gonna borrow some money. Like, no, you know, it's an, it's an upfit. And for a while it looked like this wasn't gonna be possible, but then we were able to raise half the money. And then somebody that doesn't even attend this church made the other half happen because he said, Anderson needs a church like second chance, and I want to make sure that it happens. And somebody that listen, he 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 didn't attend. He made it happen, and and we we got in here, and it's it's kind of like we went from that old building, then, then then we got here. And every time I see that, I get I get choked up, I get emotional because I thought that would never happen. In the fall of two thousand seventeen, I didn't see that. Now, this is what's crazy. And this is where it's going to get. So, so, by the way, let me pause. If you showed up this week expecting a good sermon, you're not going to hear one. This is more of a story. Show up next week, you'll hear a sermon. But what I'm about to tell you is going to blow your mind, except for those of you that are skeptical. If you're like me, I'm a skeptical person. I'm skeptical. When somebody tells a story, sometimes I'm like, I'm not sure that. I would ask the skeptical people to raise their hands, but if you're truly skeptical, you would not raise your hand because you're like, I know it's gonna happen when you y'all got y'all got tranquilizer darts, y'all gonna take me out, which is true, but but that's why I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. So if you're if you're a little bit skeptical, I understand, but what I'm about to tell you happened exactly as I'm as I'm telling you. This past Tuesday, this past, or I'm sorry, two, a couple Tuesdays ago. Two, the reason I knew it was Tuesday is because Tuesday's chest day, and I was in my gym. I got a little, little gym in my house. It's not. I'm. i just tra- dabble. I'm just trying to be fit because I'm 50, and they say everything when you get 50 falls apart. So I'm just trying not to fall apart. So I'm out there trying to work out. And I had, my charismatic friends would call this a vision. My Baptist friends would say I had a flashback. My Presbyterian friends would say I was predestined to see this. And what's the address of that liquor store? All right, that's I'm just kind of hitting all the denominations. But I saw this right here and God spoke to me he said remember when you thought that was impossible and I said I do and he said I've given you immeasurably more and then he said now ask me for something else And I had nothing. I I still have nothing. I'm praying. I told him, I said, you you tell me what to ask for. because <laughs> right, I think too small. And um it, it was cause in 2017 I saw this. He saw this. And, and so, once again, I, I don't know if you've done this before, but I told God after that, I mean, I saw it like it was a real experience. But have you ever had a real experience and five minutes later, you're like, did that happen? So I was like, okay, God, I'm going to need confirmation that that happened. If you ever asked God? Some people are like, I, don't, I take God at his word. I trust him in the moment. Well, we are glad that you and your halo are here today. Most of us, we don't have one of those. Um, well, I, I was wrestling. I mean, it just happened. I was like, did it happen? And I told God, I said, God, if you, if you could, like, confirm this, that would be amazing. Well, I just happened to be reading through the Bible. I started in Genesis. I've worked my way to Matthew. Me and Matthew have been hanging out. And I got to Matthew chapter 6. Verse 10, and it said, may your kingdom come soon, which, by the way, I think it's going to happen. I think we're super close. In two weeks, two weeks from today, we're starting a series on are we living in the end times? And the answer is no, we're not living in the end times. We're living in the end times of the end times. We're going to talk about it in two weeks. I think Jesus is getting ready to come back. I think they're warming up the trumpet. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm going to tell y'all why. I'm not going to set a date because Jesus said don't set a date because people that set dates are dumb. That's my interpretation. He didn't say it, but I'm sure in an original Greek, that's what it meant. So anyway, back to the passage. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm like, I'm a, yes, yes. Would you agree? Would you agree that God's kingdom coming to earth would make earth a better place. Because when God's kingdom comes here, we, listen, we've got no more wars. We've got no more suffering. We've got no more pain. We've got no more cancer. We've got no more dementia. We've got no more addiction. It's just done. So I'm sitting there going, yes, God, your kingdom come on the earth. And God speaks and says, that's great. What about my kingdom coming in your life? See, we can't talk about how great the earth would be if God's kingdom came. See, we can't do anything about his kingdom coming to earth, but we can, we can surrender to his kingdom in our life. And if it makes the earth a better place, why would we think it wouldn't make us better people? So I'm like, well, that was good, but it didn't really confirm. And he's like, i got to teach you something else. Keep reading. So I got to Matthew 6, and i put this in the King Jimmy because that's the way I memorized it for the first time. It's King James, I call it the, okay. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. What things? The things that we worry about. Things we, like God said, if you will seek my presence first, I'll take care of everything else. In fact, God later on says, you've got needs that you don't even know you have, that if you'll just come into my presence, I'll take care of them in ways that would, it'll be more than you could imagine. Now, at this point, by the way, this is the next day. I said, that's pretty good, God. But you said to ask you for something big. So so that's what I need confirmation on. And I kind of felt the Lord say, keep reading. Okay. Matthew 7, verse 7. Keep on asking. I put my pen down. I looked up. I said, oh, you're good. This is a setup. (laughs) Keep on on asking. Now, this is where we've got to make the differentiation between our earthly father and our heavenly father. Because if you grew up with a dad like mine, he would look at you and go, ask me one more time. (laughs) You ever get that? And I'm a literal person, so I'm like, I mean, but, and I tried it one time. I asked one more time, and after that, I never did it again. But God, when he says, ask me one more time, he wants us to ask him again and then ask him again. I prayed about it. didn't work. How long you pray? Once. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you asked for. Now, some people look at that and they go, that's not true. I asked for something, and God didn't do it. Well, see, if we keep on asking, that means we keep on coming into his presence. And if we keep coming into his presence, then he changes us. And then when he changes us, he changes what we ask for. So pretty soon we stop praying about our will and we start praying God's will. and we pray God's will, we receive it. So God says, if you keep on asking and coming into my presence, you're going to get what you're asking for. And then he said this, keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. He said, keep it up. And then he says this in the next verse. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And, and, and in this, he's like, Perry, it's my presence you need to be looking for. Because when we see God, who he, like, who he really is, it's kind of like the dad that took his kid to the airport for the first time. Kid had never flown. And they're driving up to the airport, and the kid looks out the window, and he sees a plane getting ready to land. And he's like, Dad. We're getting on one of those? He said, yeah. He said, that's pretty small. And Dad said, just wait. So they get in the airport and they get parted, go through TSA. They get to the gate and the son looks out and sees this plane and it's humongous. He's like, Dad, that plane is huge. What changed? And the father said, you just got closer. (laughs) If, If God looks small, you're just seeing him from a distance. When you get closer, you'll begin to understand that his plans are greater than our plans and his ways are greater than our ways. And if we're asking for the wrong thing, he'll change us into somebody that asks for the right thing. And then he will blow our mind by blessing us with it. Then he says this. This is crazy. He said, you parents... If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? No, he makes a good point. He said, later on in Luke, you'll see this. He said, your parents are evil. And we are. In fact, your, your children can bring out levels of evil in you that you didn't think existed, right? Then he said this. He said, or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. I caught a little heat a couple weeks ago from people that talked about pets. I've got a pet snake. This is my verse that Jesus said yes, you shouldn't have a pet snake. I got a verse. It's not what it means. I just He said, if, if you ask for a fish, like, if your kid asked you for a fish, would you hand them a snake? No. That would be crazy. Then he said, So, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who? Sometimes we don't even know what's good for ourselves. He said, you just keep showing up and seeking my presence. And if you're asking for the wrong thing, I'll change it into the right thing. And it'll be amazing. He said this in Luke 11, talking about the same thing. He said, so if you sinful, people know how to give gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit is God's presence in us. And this has literally been one of my prayers lately. God, more of you in me. More of you in me. It's taking. It's taking slowly, but it's taking root. God, more of you in me. What would happen if we just focused on his presence, not just his presence? Now, after all this happened, I asked God for one more sign. I swear to you, it happened this way. I was like, God, I just need. God, this is, you told me to ask for something, and I don't even know what to ask for. And by the way, I still haven't figured it out. I just, I just need you to make it obvious one more time. That morning, I'm on my phone going for a run and finding a song to listen to. Our friends at Elevation just released a brand new project called Lion, and on That song on that album is a reprise. It just happened to be the song that I clicked on. And this is what it says over and over again. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Knock and the door will be opened wide. And it says that like seven times in a row. Maybe eight, I don't know. It was like, I asked God for a sign, and he gives me the flashback, then he gives me the verse, then he gives me the song, and I'm like, I, I got it. But the reason I think he wanted me to get up and say all this is because he wants us as individuals and us as a church to seek his presence. Because when God's presence is in the room, worry, anxiety, in that moment it has to flee because the presence of God is greater than the power of darkness that the enemy is trying to bring into our lives and I'm telling you so then then God told me go sit at your piano and sing this I was like well I don't know what key and so I, I kind of figured it out after a while. And I started singing it and it it just did something to me. It did something in me. And so today before we do the invitation, we're gonna we're gonna sing this. It's it's really easy to catch on to, but it's not just a it's a song, it's a prayer. And I would just ask everybody maybe to don't look at your phone. Let's just take three or four minutes to God to do something great by revealing his presence and as he does we will be changed because we can't stay the same if we're in his presence. So pray with me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus God that you would help us. God be more passionate about your presence than ever before, God. I thank you that you, you change people who come into your presence. That we can't stay the same. Jesus, thank you for this place, these people, and the fact that you do immeasurably more. God, I pray for the person. this room today that they're barely hanging on. God, that you would just remind them that you are with us. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, you've got us by the hand. Father, I pray for the person in this room that's struggling with addiction, struggling with depression. God, they've asked you to take it away so many times. And today, may may we all discover the gift of coming into your presence. God, I thank you that you used things that are broken. God, I feel you saying right now to somebody in this room, you're not too broken to be used. but heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come in your life. And that's what you need today. You need Jesus. Right where you stand right now, I want to offer you an invitation to ask Christ to come into your life. Just right where you stand right now, just pray this in your heart. Just pray to Jesus Christ. Christ. I I know that I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness on the cross cross. and rose from the grave grave. to pay for my sin sin. right now jesus Jesus, i receive you into my life life. come in and take over over. i surrender everything to you in jesus name i pray with heads bowed and eyes closed if you just prayed that prayer if you just asked christ into your life you just prayed that prayer do me a favor and shoot your hand straight up in the air right now. Put it straight up. Straight up in the air. Amen. 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 Straight Hold it up. Hold it up. I want to pray for you. I want to see you. I want to pray for you. Hands are up all over the room. Keep them up. Keep them up. Father, I want to thank you so much for every hand that has been raised. Father, I want to thank you that you change us, that you bring us from death to life. I want to thank you, God, that as we come into your presence, you change us into different people. God, thank you so much all that you're doing. God, we know as a church, this is just the beginning. And we know as a people, God, this is just the beginning of what you want to do in our lives. Your plans are greater. Your ways are higher. We love you, Jesus. Everybody in the green said, Amen. Did we have church today or what? Man, thank you for being here today. Y'all have a great week and we'll see y'all back here next Sunday.